thank you for coming back. Uh, I know you didn't think you had a choice, but it's always good to have people come back after the first session. Um, I didn't mention before that I bought a couple of books that, uh, that I've written that might be of interest. Um, the first is called The Church of Tomorrow, and uh, the, basically the talk that I did in the first session is really the first two chapters. Um, if, if you liked the, f the first talk, you'll like the book. If you didn't like the talk, don't buy the book. It just gets worse. Um, <laughs> and uh, the second one is Send Me, 16 Stories of Ordinary People Who Planted Churches in the Midst of the, Their Lives, Where God Put Them. Just, if you read one of those every day, you'll just wake up happy uh, because it's just they're so encouraging. Uh, they're on a table out there. I've just put my bank details there so you can take a picture of those bank details and uh, then do a bank transfer. You can pay me cash if you'd like to, but that's often easier. And this is discounted um, uh, for you from what you would have to pay on Amazon. So we're going to look now at being missional people. So we looked at the big picture of how God is shifting the church and what he's calling us to be as the church. We're going to think about what the experience of these 72 was and how that can inform us about how we can go on this journey to really step out and be these people that Jesus uses to reach others. And the beginning of, of Luke chapter 10, Jesus calls the 72 and he sends them two by two into every town and place where he's about to go. And he gives them a vision and he tells them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So he gives them a big vision to live for. And he helps them to understand that they are part of fulfilling that. And that they're to go first. And then they're to pray for many others to come and do the same. And we're part of that many others. And when we hear Jesus say that the harvest is plentiful... I really believe that that is not just for his day and there. I think it's the truth about every place in every time. Because every single person who doesn't know him was created for a relationship with him. They all had a spirit put in them that hungers for him, even if they've, they've had that squashed and, and suppressed. And so the harvest is plentiful. And I really think in the midst of that cultural shift where we've detached ourselves uh, from those Christian values that were the foundations of our society, that we're seeing the fragmentation of our society and people have in their souls an ache that says, it's not working. I've been sold a lie from the secular dream that actually money would solve my problems. Um, all the stuff that I've got to choose isn't giving me freedom, it's making me anxious. Um, the, the, the levels of, uh, of fragmentation in our society, and then looking at the big picture with, with the Ukraine war and the cost of living crisis and the climate crisis, I think people are genuinely going, who's got anything to offer that would help me understand and make sense and help life to work for me? And I think there's a genuine harvest out there. I think there's people just longing for somebody who would offer them something that seems real and hopeful and possible that they haven't seen anywhere else. And that's what we have to offer. But we have to live with this sense of being sent on this mission. And uh, it's great having Chalice here today just giving us a, a picture of what a missionary looks like. Him saying, this is my life, I can't do anything else, I'm going to reach these people Jesus has sent me to. That isn't his calling, that's everyone's calling. 
So in your workplace, in your home, in your village, in the street where you live, in the place where you you engage with people in leisure activities, wherever you are, the thing that will change everything for you is if you live with that sense that Jesus has sent you there. You didn't just choose it, even if you did. He's there with you, and he wants you to be his representative in that place. And that's what he's calling you to do, just as he sent these 72 ordinary people. Now, I'm going to tell just a few stories through this, just to illustrate, and they come from my life. But the the really bad news for you is that when I was telling stories when I was a vicar, everybody had a get-out-of-jail-free card where they went, oh, that's just because he's a vicar. He he can do all of that because he's, he's the vicar who does that. I'm going to tell you stories about what's happening in my village And I just live in the village. I do my job in the National Church by traveling and going to an office in London, but I live in my village, just like you live in your street. But this is how I approach it. God made it very clear where we should live. We live in this village. I didn't want to live in it. I've only ever lived in cities. I had a massive row with my wife in a car park telling her I can't live in a village. I'll be understimulated. You can't get to Liveroo. Um, it's just all kinds of stuff. I was saying, no, that isn't going to work for me. Um, but God made it really clear, you're to, you're to buy this house, and this is where I want you to live. And so, as always, my wife was right. Um, but uh, we live in this village. But I then walk my dog with a sense of being sent. I walk around the village declaring the lordship of Jesus over Bledlow. It's a beautiful village. It's in the Chiltern Hills. It's upper middle class. Everybody's so wealthy. We've got Lord Carrington, who gave the golden spurs to King Charles at his coronation. We've got Nick Clegg and his family and his parents. And, you know, how I literally am saying to Jesus, how are we going to reach these people? But you put me here. And when you put me in my house... That was an act of spiritual warfare. You put me there to bring your kingdom. You put me there so that these people might have a chance to know Jesus Christ. How are we going to do this, Lord? I don't know how to do it, but I've I've walked those um, streets and I've prayed over every house and I've declared the lordship of Jesus. And I'm saying, Jesus, show me how to do this. So as I'm walking around, I'm saying, how are you going to do this, Lord? And I'm trying to meet people um, on, with, when I'm walking the dog, and I'm writing everybody's names down and their dog's names. And, I'm, uh, and the ti- I love the title of the list. It says, The Village People. <laughs> if you're too young to know what that means, ask your parents. Um, but, um, and, and I'm praying, Lord, save these people. And then I get into my mind, one of the things God's used me in is healing. And I went, if... Somebody got healed in this village. Everybody would know. So Jesus, show me somebody who's sick who I could pray for, that you could show yourself to. So I started asking the Lord, show me who is it. And then I hear that the vicar of the church um, is going in for an operation. I went, if if the vicar got healed, that would be amazing. It's very traditional church um, in our village. Uh, We weren't attending it because I, I couldn't cope with that. And... Uh, but I'd, I'd got to know the vicar a bit. And so I went to see uh, Norbert and, and I said, uh, here you're going for an operation. Can I help with covering any services? And has anybody prayed for you? And he said, no, nobody's prayed for me. I said, could I pray for you? And so he's going in for a throat operation. And I'm praying. And after praying, I said, How, how's, how's it feeling? He said, it feels like warm liquid is going down my throat. I went, Okay. Let me keep on praying. And as I pray, I feel the Holy Spirit say, I want to fill him with my Holy Spirit. I'm going, this is not going to go well, Lord. (laughs) 
So I, I, I lay my hands on his head and I start praying in tongues very loudly and almost looking away. because <laughs> And he was overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. He, he comes round from that about five minutes later. He's completely with the Lord and then says, what was that? I explained it's the Holy Spirit. He's, he's amazed by it. He leaves. He comes back half an hour later. He says, you'll never guess what happened, but I met the person who's called me more trouble in my village than anyone else. And when I met him, it was like he was my best friend and I could feel peace going from me and landing on him. It's in this passage. You go to a house and you speak peace upon them and you release peace. And he said, John, we have to do something because God's at work. And I said, what do you want to do? He says, I want to reach the village. I said, why have you not reached the village before? And he said, and nobody told me how. And I said, okay, let's work on that. And I'll tell you a little bit more about what happens next. But do you see the difference when you live with an intent? When you live with a sense of being sent That wasn't my day job. That was me just buying a house in a place and saying, Jesus, use me because you've sent me here. And that's really all he did with those first 272 and said, I'm going to send you. Now, he appoints them. And it's just a little summary phrase. And it says he appointed 72 others. And the others means others than the 12 who he'd done. And if you read Luke 9, he does exactly the same in that uh, commissioning. It tells them to go two by two into villages. And in that particular verse, it tells us that he gave the, um, those 12 uh, disciples power and authority to go and to heal the sick and to cast out demons and to bring the kingdom in wherever uh, they go. And so in appointing these 12 and these 72, Jesus doesn't just send them off and say, good luck. He says, I'm going to give you myself, my my authority and my power. And this is the next shift in our thinking that needs to happen, which is in the place God has put you, he has given you his authority to bring his reign into that place and into people's lives. And his reign is that reign of shalom, bringing his blessing, his healing, his salvation, his restoration into that place. And that's what you've been given. And you've been given power to actually release his presence and power that he can demonstrate what he was doing. So that happened for the vicar, Norbert, and, and then he opened up as a result of that. Now, my best story about power and authority, so you understand them, comes from the, uh, from the States, and you'll understand why in a moment. And it's uh, a little old lady who's doing her shopping in a supermarket, and she comes out with her trolley, and she sees uh, in, in front of her four guys breaking into her car and about to steal her car. Because it's in the States, she rummages in her handbag, and she gets a gun out. And uh, she points it at the, at the four guys and says, get out of my car, leave, I'm going I'm to shoot you. And she shoots up into the air. And this is all in a, in a newspaper report. And, uh, and they, they run for their lives. And she's shaken, but she recovers herself, puts the gun away, and then goes to her car to put her groceries in, and she realizes it's not her car. <laughs> And then she looks and she realizes her car's very similar to this one, but it's five cars down. And she then goes to her car, puts her groceries in, and then thinks, oh, I better go to the police station and just say what I've just done. And she goes to the police station, reports to the desk sergeant, and he says, ah, that explains this. And they look down the corridor, and there's these four guys looking very shaken who just reported her for carjacking. Um, (laughs) How does this illustrate power and authority? Well... 
She acted with authority because she thought that car was hers. She had the right to exercise authority over that car. And authority is the right to exercise power. And then she had a gun that is the ability to, to deliver and to change and to act. It's the power to act is power. And in our lives, where God has put us, in that creation mandate where he trusts creation to us and asks us to rule over it in his name, he has given you authority to rule over that. But what it requires you to do is to start to exercise it. So that might be over your, of your family, if you're a parent or a grandparent. Do you exercise authority over your, your, your family? And as I said in that change of prayer, it's not just praying for needs, it's saying, I want spiritual breakthrough. I I don't have time to go into it, but one of my daughters has had such a rough ride in life. It's really felt like the enemy's just been after her since her teenage years. And she's had two suicide attempts, an eating disorder. Um, She's uh, she's, uh, had uh, pregnancy outside of marriage. I tell you, I've fought for her. Every day I've been praying in her room, casting out the enemy. I've been declaring the blessing of God. And at every single point, Jesus has been so faithful. And now she has a beautiful little boy. She and her, um, her partner are getting married next year. Uh, they've both come to faith in Jesus and they're following him. But I tell you, we fought. And I have the right to fight for her because I have authority. So you might be a parent, a grandparent. It might be in your workplace. Not just praying for God to help you, but are you declaring his lordship over that workplace over that, and asking that the kingdom would come? Are you walking your street and your village where you live, wherever it is, and saying, Jesus, you've put me here. And because I live here, I've got the ability and the right to bring your, your presence here. Because if you start to pray like that, you'll then be open to what God then begins to show you in how he wants you to bring his kingdom So Jesus has given us power and authority. Then he says that you're going to have to depend on me. It's slightly counterintuitive. Um, Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Um, I don't know if you've ever been on a mission trip, if anybody ever gave you that line at the beginning of your mission trip time and preparation. Why does Jesus do that? He says, it's not going to be easy. He doesn't sugarcoat it and say it's going to be easy. He says it's going to be hard. But don't try and rely on human things. Rely on me. And that's why we need to depend on the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's why we need to grow in him. And then, out of that, we then have to be obedient. This is another one of these things that I think that Jesus is trying to change in his church. Um, In the church... We have learned to consume church. And we consume it because we like it. So we come to church because we like the church. We consume it. We consume the kids' work. We consume the worship. We consume teaching. And that's, that's not a bad thing to receive. But we know if we're a consumer or not is if we never, ever do anything as a result of it. Because Jesus' word, as James tells us, is to be put into practice. Jesus said, the wise man is the one who puts my word into practice. It's it's an action. And what we do is we come to church every week, we hear a sermon, and we do nothing with it 
And we come back the next week and we hear another sermon. And it doesn't mean it's not good because it's fed us and it's encouraged us, but we haven't started to step out on the basis of what God is doing in our lives. And, and discipleship means apprenticeship. It means learning. It means obedience. And I think that what Jesus wants to restore to his church is an obedience-based discipleship where we, as, as we just heard in terms of um, uh, we don't know what God's going to do We're just joining in with what he's doing. And so we need to listen to him and just obey and take the next step. And we're dependent on him. So I'm walking my dog one day and I'm praying all those things that I'm praying. And I sense in my spirit just that little little tiny voice that comes from not from you. And that voice said, run. And I went, what? And I, I looked around, and I looked on the other side of the, um, of the field, and I saw a woman walking her dog, and I realized that if I ran, I could meet her at the gate. And, and I just learned to, that's the voice of the Lord. I said, okay, I'm going to run. I'm going to be obedient. So I said to my dog, come on, Monty, we're going to run. He thought it was a bit strange. We ducked behind that hedge, and we ran down this hedge. And then I turned around the hedge and saw this woman at the gate. I said, oh, what a surprise to see you. <laughs> And she said, oh, who are you? I said, I'm John. I moved into the village a few months ago. I said, who are you? She said, I'm Tracy. I run the pub with my partner, Mark. I said, oh, it's really nice to meet you. She said, are you here on your own? I said, no, I'm married to Bridget. And then she said, does Bridget like craft? My wife has no craft ability at all. I said, she loves craft. (laughs) And I said, why are you asking? um, Because we run a craft group. I said, she'd love to come to craft group. And so, uh, so I go back home. I say, darling, I met Tracy. She's going to invite you to craft group. And I said that you'd go. And uh, she starts laughing. But we have a deal. We are going to go anywhere and build any relationship in this village because we've been sent. So she goes to craft group. What it turns out is this, beca- this is the center of the village life. Everything's talked about. They're the benign mafia of the village. And... And, and then Bridget starts to share faith in this space. And with Norbert, we start an afternoon congregation um, around tables, eating food, doing all-age stuff. Kids start to come. Uh, people start to come. And we're saying, we need some musicians. And uh, there's these two ladies in the craft group are hearing about uh, cafe church, as we call it. And they're going, we play the guitar. Now, neither of them are Christians, no disrespect on age, please don't hear this, but they're over 70. And, uh, and, and so Bridget says, we'd love you to come and play your guitars. So they come and they play guitar, but they don't know the songs. And so uh, they say to Bridget, could you tell us how this Be Still for the Presence of the Lord goes? And so they're playing Be Still for the Presence of the Lord to the rest of the craft group. And they're talking about cafe church. They start to come to cafe church and they are witnessing to the others in the cafe church, uh, uh, the, the craft group, how great this new service is. And then um, New, Year's, new Year's Day, uh, first cafe church, we're doing uh, how you have a new start with God. And we're, because we've got kids there, we've got a shredder. And we're writing down stuff that we want to leave behind. And we're putting it in a shredder. And Chris, who's one of these guitarists, puts her stuff in the shredder. Holy Spirit falls on her. She's weeping. Because for the first time, she thinks, I can be forgiven and leave this behind. Now, what I'm just showing is all of that comes because I was obedient to a little voice that said, run. 
That is how amazing Jesus is. Because he knows how to reach a village. I don't know how to reach a village. And he knows that we need to meet Tracy. And he knows that we need to be in this craft group. I'm now covering the interregnum in this really traditional service. Um, uh, and it's amazing. And I, I had a dream uh, a couple of, um, couple of weeks ago. And in the dream, I saw myself anointing everybody at the communion rail for filling of the Holy Spirit. I went, okay, I'll do that, Lord. And so the next Sunday, I offered anointing for filling of the Holy Spirit. And 35 of the 42 people there, and that was twice the number that normally used to come, um, stayed for anointing of the Holy Spirit. And they talked about feeling joy. They talked about being tearful. They talked about trembling. And God is doing something in this church. Not because I know how to do any of it, but because I'm just being obedient. So Jesus gives them instructions on how to do this. And he says that they're to, uh, to enter a house, say peace on this house, uh, then stay there, share food with people, build relationship. Uh, and then he says, heal the sick. Tell them that the kingdom. So do the works of Jesus and do the words of Jesus. Tell them the kingdom has, has come. Now the reason that we've got a picture of a baby learning to walk on there is this is the experience of how we learn. And you may not at the moment have ever prayed for somebody to be healed. You may not have ever shared your faith. You might be one of those like at Holy Trinity, you just don't feel confident. I just want you to know that that doesn't mean that that needs to be your story for the rest of your life. You can grow. But the way we grow is we have to take a risk, we have to take a step, we have to action what God calls us to do. And my little grandson now is, is one year old, and he's just learned to walk. And the way he learned to walk is where they always learn to walk, is the two parents sit a little further away than he can reach. And one says, come here, Alfie. And Alfie just toddles away. And the first few times, he falls on his backside. And guess what my daughter and her partner say? Oh, no, we've got a non-walking child. He's never going to walk. What are we going to do? We're going to have to spend the rest of our lives having strategies to look after Alfie who can't walk. No, of course they didn't say that. They say, come on, Alfie, get up, have another go. Why do they do that? They do it because they know he was born to walk. We, they know that he's got the potential to walk. Now, I want to say to you, you each have the Holy Spirit within you. You have the potential to do the works of the kingdom. And just because you can't do them now doesn't mean you'll never do them. But all it takes is for you to hear the Father say, get up, have another go take a risk. But as adults, we, we don't find it easy to take a risk. We've shaped our life so it all becomes what I can manage, what I can do under our control, and we don't like to get things wrong. Children learn by getting it wrong and then having another go, but we don't like that as adults. And, and if your vision for what you can do for, for Jesus and what you can do in your Christian life is something that you can do and is in your control, then I want to tell you that's just a to-do list. It's not a vision. When God gives you a vision, it's something that only he can do, and he's inviting you to join in with it. And so a vision of sharing the gospel so somebody comes to know him, we can't do that, only he can do that. Seeing the sick healed, only he can do that. But we have to take a step. And we might fall over, but the father is, is a good father, and he says, get up. Because we were made to bring the kingdom. The Holy Spirit was given to us 
to enable us to do this. So what we're going to do now is um, we're going to go on a little bit of a journey together in which we begin to just apply what we've learned together in, in, those, in this passage and think through how this might work in our lives. And I want to give you a really simple thing the, um, uh, that we can do that just to action this. And uh, so this is from a friend of mine called uh, Michael C- Harvey. And it spells acorn, and it's just a little, uh, a, a little nut, a little seed that grows into an oak tree. Your little action could be transformative in people's lives just by willing to take a step. So what I'm going to ask you to do in a moment is we're going to pray and we're going to say, Lord, you've made us to be your missionary people and you've sent us to anywhere that you've put us. And I want to offer myself to you afresh to be that missionary and to carry your presence and bring your kingdom in that place. And after we've done that, we're then going to ask the Lord... Who is it, Lord, in my daily life, so not your great aunt in New Zealand, but a daily life that you're looking for me to connect with? Who have you already prepared, like those prepared houses where the peace rests on people? Who is it you're wanting me to connect with and pray for and reach out to? Then once we've got that person in our mind, we're then going to ask him, what, what can I do? And this is where we start to work it out and think about it. And when we've got that action, we go, okay, I'm going to have to have courage. Because the fear never goes away. So if you're fearful, that's just normal. But we have to face the fear and do it anyway. And the joy, these 72 come back full of joy. Even the demons submit in your name, Lord. The joy is the other side of courage. And the fear often holds us back. And so we're then going to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to do this. This is what I'm committing to do. And then we obey, we action it, and then we review how did it go. And then we take the next steps, uh, whatever it is in that relationship. We stay, we eat, we share a relationship with that person, and we just see how that goes. So just a simple thing where we're asking the Holy Spirit to lead us, but we're offering ourselves and saying, we want to be uh, a missionary for you, Jesus. Um, so we're going to do that first, and then after that, we're then going to pray for the power of God to fill us, uh, because we need him. We, that's what the early church needed before they were sent out. So I'm going to get you to stand, just because it changes posture and gets us more ac- actioned. So if you're able to, please do stand. And let's just be quiet. I encourage you just to close your eyes. And we're going to have just a moment where we respond to God quietly um, in our hearts. And And in this time, we can say to him... If we need to, we can say, look, I'm scared, Lord. I don't know how to do this. That's generally my prayer almost every day. We can say to him, we're sorry if we, if we haven't been doing this and we just sense that actually we've held back and we can know his forgiveness. But I'd love you to, if you're able to, just to offer yourself and say, Lord, here I am, send me. 
I'm available to you. Whatever you want to use me to do, I'm willing to obey you. So let's just be quiet and do that before the Lord. So, Lord, we stand before you and we offer ourselves afresh to you. Lord Jesus, we're responding to your complete giving of yourself to us. And we can do no other but just come back and make this offering, a living sacrifice before you for your glory, Jesus. We acknowledge, Lord, where where we get this wrong, where we fall short, where we're scared, where we just don't know what to do. But we thank you that there's no condemnation And we we dare to believe, Father, that you say, get up, have another go. And here we are, Lord, saying yes to your call. Here I am, send me. And now what I want you to do is just to ask the Lord, who do you want me to connect with? And we're asking him because we believe he's at work in people and he knows where there's... Um, openness, he knows who he's at work in, who he needs to send somebody to. So we're wanting to just be obedient to him, just to be open to him. And so we just ask this question and then we start to think and maybe you get an image of somebody or maybe you get a name or maybe you just start to think through your daily life and think, oh, I think it could be so and so. It can be as, as, as just as simple as that. So Lord, who is it that you want me to connect with? And if you're struggling with that process, then uh, don't worry about that at all. But I just encourage you to think, okay, who could it be, Lord? And who would I choose um, to seek to build a relationship? We're not necessarily witnessing or doing anything else yet. We're going to work that out with God. But just who is it that you're calling me to at this time? And so, Lord, we pray now that in that person you've given to us, that you would help us now to work out what we're meant to do. Amen. Okay, so have a seat. Um, The person that came to mind for me was my uh, guy down the road from me called Nick. He had an an eye problem, and uh, with his eye problem, uh, I offered to pray with him. I sent him a text, and I said, Nick, um, I've heard that you've had to be rushed into hospital. You've got this eye problem. Um, May sound a little bit weird, but I've prayed for some people before, and they've got better, and God's healed them. I'd be really happy to come round and just pray with you. Wouldn't have nobody else would have to know. Uh, So I wondered if you'd like me to come round and pray. He texts me back and he says, thanks so much, John. I got a bottle of whiskey with me and I think I'll go with that. <laughs> so, uh, so I want to tell those kind of stories because me and Nick, we get on really well. It hasn't spoiled my friendship, hasn't caused any problem at all. And what I know is that he's not quite ready to take a step with Jesus. 
Um, but it doesn't mean I'm going to not be friends with him, but I've learned something about whether he's ready yet. And it's just as simple as that. So um, I hope you've got somebody in your mind. Um, what I'd like you to do now is I'd like you to get your phone out. So everybody who's got a phone that could text somebody, if you're willing to go along with this, get your phone out. I know it feels nervous. You all felt safe before now. It feels really scary. Um, but uh, just honestly, I'm not going to make you do anything that you don't want to do. I promise you that. Okay. But if you have that person's contact details in your phone, and Jesus has just given you their name or their picture, then I want you to activate uh, that call by, from Jesus to contact that person. Now, you get to decide what message you send. And that's the working it out with Jesus. So I'm going to give you a few ideas of what you might want to try. So you could say, I was just thinking of you and I wondered if you'd like to come around for a meal or meet up for a coffee. That's what I'm going to send to Nick. Or you could say, I was just thinking of you and I wonder, is there anything I could pray for you? A little bit riskier. And the reason why we offer to pray for people, and I haven't got time this morning to say you can offer to pray for people in response to their need, and Jesus heals people um, all the time. I tell you the stories about people who God's healed when I've been walking the dog. It's been amazing. But offering to pray is the kindest, most loving thing you can do because you've heard a need or, and you've offered to do something about it. And when you send a text saying, I was thinking of you, is there anything I could pray for you? You are showing them that they are significant to you and you're thinking of them even when you're not with them. That is powerful. Because you're showing value in that. So you could send that. The third thing you could do is you could invite them to one of the wonderful things the church is doing. And you've got this suite of invitational things that, uh, that you could invite them to all at different levels, questions, alpha, mental health, all those different things. You could think, oh, I could invite them to the questions event. Bryn Howe's a great guy. I've seen him a few times. Uh, just, just very natural, really positive. You can invite them to that. And you could see if they're free and see, see if they'd like to come. But this is obedience-based discipleship, friends. And if this is a big moment, it may only feel like a small moment, but if you are going to hear God call you to do something and not do it, you place yourself in a place of disobedience, you make yourself vulnerable to the enemy, and you have failed to break the consumerist culture. Because you've come and consumed this morning, had a great time, and you haven't done anything with it. So that's the choice that is, is before you this morning. And I really encourage you to have courage because the other side of courage is joy and the Father's pleasure. But the enemy wants to keep you trapped in fear. So you might not be able to do it now. And so you're going to have to tell a friend and say, I couldn't do it now because of this or this or this. But um, we're going to have two minutes now where we're going to decide what we're going to do, and if we're able to, because we've got the contact details, we're going to make that, send that message, whatever it is. You get to decide. So, off you go. And while you're doing it, I'm just going to pray.
Lord, I thank you that we are the intersection between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth. And in this moment, there is a chance for you to begin to do something in these people's lives. You know everyone. We pray your Holy Spirit to be involved in their hearts right now, making them open to you, giving them freedom from the enemy to respond as you call them to. For we ask it for your name's sake. Amen. And this is something that you can have conversations with people about. You can ask for their prayers and accountability. And then whatever the response is, you then have learned something about that person. It's almost never negative. At Holy Trinity, we, we said, if we're going to see 100 a th- a people come on an Alpha course, we have to invite 1,000. It's just a numbers game. So we said... The outcome is God's side of the equation, isn't it? We can't make anybody come to Alpha. But the obedience bit is the invitation. So we would um, encourage people to tell us through just a little slip every week in church, how many people did you invite to Alpha this week? And we worked out over a month period that we had invited 1,000 people to Alpha. And guess what? 120 people came to Alpha. And we'd only ever had up to 50 before. It was just obedience. It's just, I'm a missionary. I'm called to invite. It's my role. It's my purpose. And by doing that, we saw all of those people come to know Jesus. And then we would celebrate the complete failures. So we'd get people at the front of church and say, I invited eight people to Alpha and nobody came. And we'd all cheer. (laughs) Because it's not about outcomes, it's about obedience. I remember this young woman who was a doctor. Uh, She had two autistic children. She was a part-time GP. Her life was so full. She invited eight people. We cheered her. None of them came. And then she said, the thing I realized was this. When I invited somebody... It was them that was worried about breaking my friendship when they said no. It wasn't me that was at risk of damaging our friendship by inviting them. Because I always invite them to good things, and so they thought I was inviting them to a good thing, that then when they said no, they were risking our friendship. And she was completely liberated to just invite anybody to anything, because actually she realized it wasn't an issue at all. And then the other thing we got people to do is to do what I said, is walk around and pray blessing. And this, this lovely family prayed blessing on their, fam- their neighbor's house. And they, they then told the neighbor that they'd been praying for them and blessing their house. And then the next week, their house burnt down. <laughs> and it was like, oh, my goodness. And they got up and they told the testimony. Everybody cheered them. <laughs> and, then, and then we said, okay, so this is serious. And they said, what happened was... They didn't think of doing the math that we do as Christians. How can God do that? What they said was, they came to us because they knew that we cared and we loved them. And they came and lived in our home. And they came and we built a deeper relationship. So what they learned was, sharing faith and it all going wrong doesn't in any way undermine relationship when we do it out of love and compassion for people. So we're going we're gonna to finish now, and if the worship team would like to come up, what we're going to do is we're going to pray, first of all, before we worship, for the filling of the Holy Spirit. And 
when I was praying for you this week, I was asking the Lord what he wanted to do. And I had a dream. Um, and and I'll t- I will tell you this story in that um, about five years ago, I used to get really annoyed with Christians who would say, I had a dream and God spoke to me because God never spoke to me in dreams. And I said to God, I said, I, I'm just, why don't you speak to me in dreams? I want you to speak to me in dreams. Please speak to me in my dreams. And so for six months, no lie, at least once a month, but sometimes once a week, somebody else would turn up and say, John, you appeared in my dream, and I think this is what God is saying through this. And after about six months, I went, okay, Lord, you're having a laugh. I meant my dreams, not anybody's dreams. <laughs> and then after that, he started to speak to me in dreams. So, so this week, I had a dream about you. And, uh, and I saw Jesus, and I saw him with a bundle of uh, wrapping paper to wrap presents up with. And I said, Lord, what, what's that? And he said, oh, I'm just getting ready all of the gifts I want to give St. Paul's. And so I really have a sense that the Lord wants to pour his spirit out. And he wants to give you gifts. He wants to empower you to do the things you can't do yourself. And so that's, that's just what I've sensed the Lord speak. So again, if you'd be willing to stand, we're going to pray just where you are for the, for the Spirit to come. And then, and then during the worship, we can continue to do ministry as, as there's opportunity. So again, do, do close your eyes and uh, just focus on the Lord. And I'd encourage you as Jesus said in that beautiful picture of the little boy who comes to his father and says, I'm hungry, Dad. And, uh, and would, you, would you give me um, some bread? Would you give me an egg? And, and, the, and Jesus says, he won't give a snake. He won't give a scorpion. He'll pour his spirit out on those who are hungry. I'd encourage you, if there's anything you want to say to the father, Father, I'd, I'd love you to, to do this this morning. You have gifts for us today. And again, it's not that it's at all magic, but the, our posture connects with our spirits. And so I found it is really helpful to put our hands out just as a way of, like that little boy saying, I'm waiting for a gift, Lord. Just as a way of, of, of an act of faith. And that's what Jesus did again and again. He just got people to, to activate their faith. So you share with the Lord whatever it is you want to ask from him this morning. And Father, I thank you that you are such a good father. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus for us. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to win all of this for us. And thank you, Father, thank you, Jesus, for pouring out your spirit upon us. Thank you that you have gifts for each one of us. And so I pray now, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. And in Jesus' name, I bless you with a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. More of you, Lord, more of you all that you have for your children, all that you have for them, Father. Thank you that you love them. Just come, Lord, more of you. 
We just wait for the Lord. We just take time with him. Just pray, Lord, for that filling that is in every fiber of our being, that washing away of fear, that breaking off of things that have just got in the way, that, Holy Spirit, you would come and you just fill us with every, every single part of us with you, with your love, Father, with your peace, with your presence. But I do pray, Lord, for power. I pray for power. You said as you commissioned your disciples, you're to wait for power because you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I pray for power. Pray for you to come and do in us and through us what only you can do. Just more of you, Lord. More of you. More of you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And sometimes there's a sense of God doing things. Sometimes there isn't. He has heard our prayer. He's promised to answer. There's, there's no judgment on what happens or doesn't happen. It's the Lord. But as we, as we begin to worship, if you have a real sense that there is something you really want to receive from the Lord, then I would encourage you to come and receive prayer, to say, I really need this from the Lord today, or I really want to just keep pressing in for that. And if there's a particular gift that you want God to give, and one of the things that I felt is that um, some people have, have never spoken in tongues and they really want to, and that's just something that I've just seen God use me to do, uh, and it's quite helpful when the worship is on to do it so it's not um, too distracting or too um, exposing. But if you'd like to uh, have somebody pray for you to receive the gift of tongues, which is a gift that just opens up all the other supernatural gifts, then I'd really encourage you to come and ask for that. I think that that's one of the gifts God wants to give. And if you have sensed the Lord begin to touch you and you go, oh, Lord, you're, you're doing something, again, what I've learned is that's something to keep on asking him to keep doing rather than just go, oh, that was it and to receive the fullness of what he wants. And so if any of those things connect with you, I'd really encourage you to come to the front and we will pray for you. There's people to pray. Is that right, Nico? Yeah. Is anybody ready to pray today or not? Ministry team. Ministry team. Yeah, ministry team. Yeah, okay, great. Um, so those three categories um, for something that you really know you want God to do, for a gift that you really want him to give you. And thirdly, for a sense that he's already begun something that you'd really like him just to continue to. And particularly, if you just know that you're dry and you need his presence. So I'm going I'm to be really helpful, and genuinely uh, this is helpful. I want you to respond now and to come right at the start. So not just to wait and to battle over it. So I'd love if you fit into any of those, come, come to the front now and just begin to seek the Lord and we'll pray for you. So do come.
And as you come, just, just be before the Lord. It's you and him um, that you're just beginning to seek. Do come a little bit further forward just so that people can come down. And while the worship is going on, just seek him and, uh, and allow him to minister to you and people will come and pray. And uh, then we'll see what God begins to do. So thank you, worship team.